Welcome to the Arlington Street Church podcast. Founded in 1729, Arlington Street continues today as a gathering place for progressive people of faith in the greater Boston area and beyond. We are located at the corner of Arlington and Boylston Streets, across from the Public Garden in Boston, Massachusetts. Please visit ASCBoston.org for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace. Before India won its independence from England, British racism against Indians was legendary. There are many stories of the abuse of Indians on the train, one most famously involving Mahatma Gandhi. And this one is no different, but with a twist. An Indian gentleman dressed in dhati kutra, the traditional black coat and turban, was riding a high-speed train and suffering unrelenting taunts and jeers from those in his compartment. The gentleman seated quietly seemed unfazed. He appeared to be focused elsewhere. Suddenly he leapt from his seat shouting, stop the train and pulled hard on the emergency chain. A hue and cry ensued and the British passengers yelled at him and the train management burst onto the scene. Are you mad, one asked? Stopping the train is a crime. I know, said the Indian gentleman, but had I not stopped it, we would have all lost our lives. The tracks are broken some distance from here. Go confirm this yourself. The other passengers began to shout and jeer, grumbling. The train management, as well as some British riders, got down off the train, talking loudly among themselves about the madman, and walked down the tracks. They returned in silence. The tracks had been destroyed, the nuts and bolts removed. How did you know the tracks were broken, the management asked suspiciously. The Indian gentleman replied, when others on the train were busy, My attention was on the movement of the train. Suddenly there was a change in its speed due to the vibration of the track. This only happens when the track is broken. Now everyone was quiet. Who are you? Asked the management. Introduce yourself. The Indian gentleman replied politely, I am Mokshagundam Vivasvaya. For those of you who, like me, do not know this name, let me introduce you to M.V., as he was known, a civil engineer, statesman, and the 19th Prime Minister of Mysore. His honors are legion. Among them, in 1915, he was knighted by King George V for his contributions to the public good. And in 1955, he received India's highest honor, the Bharat Ratna. To this day, his birthday, September 15th, is celebrated as Engineer's Day in India, Sri Lanka, and Tanzania. I love stories like this. I love to imagine that everyone who was acting badly on that train was so profoundly ashamed that they never, ever bothered another Indian person. I know, it didn't happen. But it might have. Sometimes we have to be jolted awake to suspend 
our judgments. I know we are not obnoxious like those people. But I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that nonetheless, every day, day in and day out, we're judging. Just because we're not bullies doesn't mean we're free of a running commentary of judgy. It starts with better than, less than, and goes downhill from there. When Kem first explained liking and unfriending on Facebook to me, when I first learned about swiping left or right on dating apps, I felt a little sick. And then I watched my own mind as someone wearing a certain red trucker's hat crossed my path. It was not pretty. And what about judging the people we love? Can that possibly be good for them? Or for us? What about judging ourselves? Our youngest daughter, Jessie, is Peruvian. She is exquisitely beautiful and exactly the look that's popular in models today. As every talent scout has said to her, just one word, exotic. Despite my best efforts, I forbade her from modeling until I couldn't forbid her anymore. At the age of 18, she began to model. Jessie had been bullied relentlessly by other girls. Her sisters were so book smart, but school was hard for her. We worried a lot that the only thing she felt she had going for her was her looks, and that is a very fragile platform for South Esteem. I told her it's brutal, and if they tell you you need to lose weight, I swear I'll kidnap you. One day she said she had a funny story to tell us about her agent. Did you tell him what I said? No, mommy, don't worry. He didn't tell me to lose weight. He was wondering about the bump in my nose. Jessie has a perfect nose with the littlest bump at the bridge. It's her link to her Incan heritage. What was he wondering? I don't know, she responded, because I broke in and said, oh, I love my bump. And that was the end of the conversation. Those of you with children will understand that the moments in which you actually feel like a good parent are often few and very far between. That was a good moment. The judgmental voices that come from outside us are loud, especially those early voices of those who should have cared for us and loved us without condition. But the judgmental voices that come from inside us are louder. And maybe judging is reflexive. What to do? Let's be clear that we are not bad people for judging. It's often a protective mechanism. We judge when we're feeling frightened or vulnerable. But it's a miserable habit, and we can break it. First, we need to catch ourselves in the act. There are lots of clues to the fact that we're judging. Watch for that strange compulsion to compare. Watch for negativity. 
ask, why did that set me off? Cue self-reflection and redirection. Life coach Karen Ulick adds, judging others help us to feel as though we're secure. It's a way we try to control our lives and surroundings. Writing for BuzzFeed, Steph Hallett says, the urge to judge is most often rooted in some deeply held insecurity of our own. We're trying to make ourselves feel better about our own choices by putting others down. Second, whether or not we understand where our judgments are coming from, we can choose to react to them with compassion. We've all had moments when we were less than our best selves. Can we give ourselves a break? Can we give others the benefit of the doubt? Best of all, can we get curious? Maybe we just don't have the whole story. As advice columnists Marguerite and Marshall Shearer famously advised parents who had found contraceptives in their 17-year-old daughter's bedroom, be curious, not judgmental. I've told you the story of a particularly harrowing drive trying to get to a deathbed when I was pulled over by a police officer for speeding just a wee bit. He ended up giving me an escort and I made it. I've never forgotten his kindness and it changed the way I viewed bad driving. It's not that I'm free of judgment. The spiritual practice is to offer a corrective to that judgment and imagine that everyone who's weaving in and out of traffic, cutting us off or breaking suddenly is actually in distress and worthy of our compassion, worthy of at least one round of metta, the loving kindness prayer. Depending on how close the call, sometimes I have to say it once for them and once for myself. This is actually how my kids learned the metta phrases. May you be filled with loving kindness. May you be well. May you be peaceful and at ease. For some reason, when they were really little, they would kind of shout them from the back seat. <laughs> Catching ourselves in the act of judging, reacting with compassion, and third, reframing. This is actually my favorite part of healing judgmental behavior. It usually makes me laugh. Here's an example from Karen Ulrich. If you're judging someone's fashion sense, the reframe of, wow, so-and-so is wearing yet another memorable outfit, might be, so-and-so doesn't really care what they wear, and they seem so comfortable. I wonder what their secret is. It might help to choose to believe that we're all doing the best we can. Marriage and family therapist Sarah Epstein says, if we feel like someone isn't trying, we judge. Asking what if they're doing the best they can grounds us and lifts us up out of judgment. If someone is doing the best they can with what they have, it is much harder to judge them. Get curious. What if they're doing the best they can? Blogger Leo Bobauta writes, we judge without understanding. 
And that's the end of it when we don't try to find out more. Through communication, we begin to understand, and through understanding, we can begin to build a bridge. He continues, can we build a bridge with every single person? Probably not. But he says, I've found that taking that extra time, even just once a day, can make a huge difference. Avoid passing judgment and instead build a bridge. Leo Babauta actually created an acronym for this practice, DUAL, D-U-A-L. Don't judge, seek to understand, accept, and love. Don't judge, seek to understand, accept, and love, dual. He especially leans into understanding, encouraging us to talk to those whom we're judging. Find out their backstory, he says, everyone has one. If not, try to imagine the circumstances that might have led to that person presenting the way they do. As for the directive to love, he says, your love could have an effect on two people. Not only the person you're seeking to understand and accept, whose life might just be changed by your love, but on you as well. Loving others will make you happier, he says. Trust me on this one. I heard a lovely story about a certain Sister McKay. When she began teaching and the principal introduced her to her very first class, he pointed to one of the boys and said, in front of his peers, he said, he was a troublemaker. Sister McKay sensed that he was embarrassed and feared that he would try to live up to that reputation. So she wrote a note and slipped it to him, slipped it to the child as he passed by his desk. It said, Earl, I think the principal was mistaken about your being a bad boy. I trust you. And I know that you're going to help me make this room the best in the school. Earl went on to be both an excellent student and a leader throughout his school years. When he grew up, he was considered one of the most important people in his town. And he credited Sister McKay with his success. Kim shared the recent Washington Post news story with me about the extraordinary but hidden talent of a guy named Vaughn Smith. Vaughn lives in Alexandria, Virginia and works for his brother in a carpet cleaning business. He spends his days hauling heavy machinery into people's homes, discussing the porousness of wool and the pros and cons of Scotchgard. He makes less than $20 an hour. The son of a Mexican mother and an American father, he grew up feeling like an outsider. When his mother realized he wasn't connecting with other kids, she brought him to a psychologist who told her only that Vaughn was muy, muy inteligente. As it turns out, it was his attention deficit disorder and being on the autism spectrum that set him apart. His mother says he has not only a big brain, but a big heart, and that's the problem. He's very sensitive, and he tends to think he's not wanted or loved. In school, he foundered. But Vaughn was enchanted by every language he encountered. 
his mom's French record albums, a German dictionary he found at one of his dad's handyman jobs, a boy from the Soviet Union who joined his class. At 14, he enrolled at Wilson High School, not far from Washington, D.C.'s embassies. The kids there came from around the world and spoke different languages. And Vaughn discovered his slice of genius, the ticket to meaningful friendships. He hovered at the edge of a clique of Brazilian students and began to learn Portuguese. A Romanian brother and sister began to teach him phrases in their mother tongue. He connected with a shy Ethiopian girl and asked her, asked her to teach him Amharic. He has a gift for languages. Vaughn began to take the bus downtown to the Martin Luther King Jr. Memorial Library, which has the city's best selection of language books. He checked out a beginner's guide to Russian and soon afterwards, he overheard a Russian woman in a grocery store. Hello, he greeted her in Russian. How are you today? He loved her response. It was, he said, like she was hit with a splash of happiness. At 17, he moved back to Maryland and tested into the highest level Russian class without ever having taken Russian. He learned Japanese from the staff at a restaurant where he cleaned the fish tank. American Sign Language from Gallaudet University students at a club called Tracks, which has a dance floor known for its vibrations. Most recently, he's learned the language. It's an indigenous language of Montana's Salish people. He befriended leaders of the language school on the Flathead Indian Reservation and road tripped to Arley, Montana. Vance Homegun, who works at the school, was stunned. You have to remember, he says, there are very few people left, even in our tribe, who speak Salish. For Vaughn to know it without actually being taught in our classrooms and schools or spending time with older people who still speak it, that's pretty amazing. Vaughn's high school diploma was the last he received. He just didn't have the wherewithal to continue with school came and went, his jobs, he was a house painter, a bouncer, a punk rock roadie, a dog walker, a kombucha delivery man, and now a carpet cleaner. A carpet cleaner, join me in checking yourself now on how you might size up someone like Vaughn. And then add this to your understanding of him. He speaks 38 languages. He can tell stories in 24 of them. His accent is perfect. And he can read and write in eight alphabets and scripts. A friend says, we'll be walking along and we'll see two people sitting and he'll be like, I hear you have an accent. Do you speak any other languages? And boom, we're invited to their house for dinner. Every language he speaks, he says, is a story about the people to whom it connected him. Every language is a doorway to that splash of happiness. Beloved spiritual companions, let's close with just this, an old Hasidic proverb. 
If we always assume the one sitting next to us is the Messiah, waiting for some simple human kindness, we will soon come to weigh our words and watch our hands. And if the Messiah chooses not to be revealed in our time, it will not matter. Non-judgment day is near. Amen. And now for our benediction, I invite you to put your hands over your heart and namaste. I bow to the divine in you. These words are from His Holiness, the Dalai Lama. We are all here on this planet as it were, as tourists. None of us can live forever. So while we're here, we should try to have a good heart and to make something positive and useful of our lives. Whether we live just a few years or a whole century, it would be truly regrettable and sad if we were to spend that time aggravating the problems that afflict other people, animals, and the environment. The most important thing is to be a good human. Let us keep this faith, beloveds, and pass it on. The service begins when the service ends. Bless your hearts. I love you. Amen. ASCBoston.org for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace.